0: Friends, so today's episode is going to be part one of two. All right, we had a chance to sit down and interview Matt Domiansik. Matt is a chaplain down in Los Angeles County, and so as you can probably imagine, it's a uh, it's a very interesting scene to say the least down there. And so Matt's going to come with a unique perspective. Before that, he was he was a uh, police officer, and and the guys he's a smart guy. All right, he's got two master's degrees. And, uh, he's going to share a lot of wisdom with us in this two-part episode. So stick around and check it out. Before we get into the hard questions, I got a Bible verse. And then, uh, man, I really like it when you kick us off in prayer, Josiah, if you don't mind.
1: My pleasure.
0: Cool. Well, let me, let me start with this. And it's a short one. This is Proverbs chapter 28, verse five. Seems very appropriate for us. Says evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Go ahead, Mike. Or, uh, Joe.
1: Father, I thank you for this time again, uh, for the privilege we have to gather and Lord, seek your face, and we ask for wisdom. Father, we ask for your spirit to fall upon us, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us, Lord, that we would step out of the way and you would have your way. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, be glorified by our conduct and our speech, God, that the listeners, those that uh, stumble upon this podcast and those that have been following us, Lord, that they would be encouraged and challenged, um, edified and built up. Ultimately, God, we want to reflect you in all that we do, and in all that we say. And God, if um, we don't have you in the forefront, then we have nothing to live for, and we have no hope. And in this world that we live in, hope is running quickly out of people's lives. We pray, God, that um, through this podcast and through our lives and through the ministries you have us in, uh, God, we might be able to show people that um, with you there is nothing to fear. That, Lord, we are on a solid foundation of, um, of you, and God, evil can have no way in our lives. So we give you praise, we give you glory, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josiah. I want to do this right. Being led by the Lord to begin with, right? Well, uh, we didn't record the first part of our conversation, which is just a little entertaining. I'll give you a short little recap. Uh, Matt and Josiah have a common friend, even though they are as, about as far apart as you can possibly be in this country and still be in the same country. So
2: that was pretty entertaining. But uh, Matt, who are you? Who am I? I'm a medically retired cop. I used to be a police officer and a college strength conditioning coach. Um, and I did campus ministry for the athletes where I was a coach at Yale and Georgetown. I was a cop in Connecticut in the DC area, patrol, peer support, SWAT, and police academy instructor for fitness and officer survival. Got medically retired and long nightmare stories with work comp, medical problems. I'm in Los Angeles for functional and integrative medicine so I could do things more holistically. And now I do basically full-time ministry, volunteering as a police and fire chaplain and some stuff with uh, veterans. but. Chaplaincy, peer support, and wellness advocacy.
0: Well, that's great. And and one of the reasons I want to invite you on here is because I mean, you've already said you don't look like a typical chaplain, right? And and <laughs> uh, you know, Mike and I specifically, uh, we we've talked quite a bit about um kind of kind of the legs of overall wellness, right? And so, you know, spiritual being our foundation, but uh also I mean, you've got to have that physical health, the mental health, and I think there's a social health, you know, aspect to it too. But it, it seems like you've got a pretty good background in a lot of these areas. And so uh, I'm glad you could join us today to talk about some of that stuff. So It's an honor. I appreciate it. Definitely. So um, you've got a, a decent background. You
2: talked about having your uh, – is it a Master's of Divinity? Is that what you ended up with? No. So I have a Master's in Pastoral Theology. A master's in sports psychology and a master's in forensic science. See, I have, I have none of those even remotely. <laughs> well, you don't need degrees because I. There's a lot of people that are book smart that have zero real world experience or practical application. There's people teaching architecture that have never built a bridge or a building, and there's people. Yeah, you can. Unless you need a degree for some reason, I tell people, ask your five mentors in a specific field what three books they suggest are and get on Amazon. And maybe for $200, if you were speaking to mentors and reading good books, you could learn just as much as a master's degree. And it also matters how much do you apply that information to your own life? Because a lot of people, even in theology, get those degrees just so now I can be a principal at a private Christian school, or now I can get this job. But if you didn't apply that material to your life, uh, did it really improve your relationship with God, your walk with God and your ability to do ministry by like living out the faith? So it's cool that people have degrees, but they're not everything.
0: You have a top book that you recommend?
2: No, because everybody has a different background And so as I get to know people, depending on what the topic is, if something jumps in my head, that's when I'll maybe offer it. But especially when it comes to, say, theology and spirituality, there's like over 30,000 different Christian denominations and also different just genres of Christianity. And, I mean, these are longer stories part of my journey, though, but I thought everybody was a certain way because of where I grew up. Then when I went to the Air Force Academy, I was like, what the heck? Like I met all these different people and everybody thought because of whatever denomination or mega church they grew up in and their geography, like that was the the most biblically correct and everybody else is burning in hell. So I got to give you my 10 steps to Jesus based on my church or where I'm from. And all these Christians were like always arguing and trying to convert each other when other people were already practicing Christians. And it kind of like hurt me so these are longer stories, but I've gone down the road of trying. I used to go to church two or three times a weekend. My friends joked and called it double dipping because I would always go to Catholic mass. I'm a cradle Catholic. And then I would go to a church with some of my friends from sports ministry, which were all evangelicals. And then I might, what's Pentecostal and charismatic speaking in tongues. Let me go to that service. Let me meet that pastor and ask questions because I used to be worried like, If only one church is right and there's over 30,000 denominations, there's a lot of people that aren't going to heaven. And it kind of stressed me out when I was a young man in my early 20s a little bit. So I was trying to figure out, man, because I need to join the right church and then convert everybody I love because I want everybody to meet God on that day that they physically die. But uh, yeah, I'm very ecumenical, if you guys are familiar with that term. I'd like to focus on... What Christians have in common um, rather than doctrine and dogma arguments and just respect everybody where they are and where they're from and not judge other Christians or even judge people that have left the church. Because there's a lot of well-intentioned Christians that have judged or, or lived lives that were hypocritical that turned people off and they left the church. Mm-hmm. but i know god still loves them and i love them and i don't want them to feel alienated or judged if that makes sense
1: mhm
0: yeah there sure is a lot of different interpretation out there and and uh especially working in the field as a, as a chaplain it's hard because you you want to you know i i like what a lot of my chaplain buddies call it they call it the um uh Oh, Ministry of presence. Ministry of presence. Thanks. See.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, I mean, obviously, we're a faith-based, you know, podcast here, and so I'm hopefully you feel like you can talk about, you know, faith in, in whatever, in whatever way that uh, you know you believe it. But I think the three of us, it's it's saved by grace through faith, and that's the foundation of it. So, yeah. But, uh, how about this Bible verse here? This, uh, evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Isn't it interesting? You know, the Bible talks about the separation of the, the sheep and the goats. Isn't it interesting how much more obvious and how, how much bigger the horns of the goats are getting these days, <laughs> how, how much easier it is to tell the difference between, you know, right and wrong. And, uh, how loud the evil has become, especially especially where you're at, man.
2: Yeah, and what something just popped in my head, and it's been a challenge for cops for a long time, but especially the last two years, I don't know how it is in the three different places you guys live, but when a lot of the Floyd stuff kicked off, a whole lot of churches and synagogues flew BLM flags outside their congregations. And it even upset me back with the Michael Brown shooting. You know, I'm on different email lists for different churches I've visited, different prayer groups. I'm big into contemplative Christianity, if you've heard of that. So there's different groups and services from many churches I go to. And I also like yoga. And I've gone to Buddhist meditation retreats and workshops. All these spiritual communities after the Michael Brown shooting are having prayer vigils for Michael Brown or Jacob Blake. And never a mention of the police officer that was forced into action because of these people's decisions. And then people in the spiritual communities, including the Christian community, are we not supposed to be seeking truth? So why don't you pray for the person that got shot, pray for the first responders that had to deal with that incident, and then wait for the truth to come out when the investigation's done. And then when you show up to church or the synagogue and they're preaching pray because of cops are racist, cops are bad. And we had another unjust shooting, blah, 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 the false narrative. And they're siding with Black Lives Matter, which up until a certain point on their website was a proud Marxist group, a communist group that's anti-nuclear family. How confusing is that when the faith communities are flying and people from my church in town have BLM signs outside like, you want to alienate where do the police go for spiritual nourishment and to feel understood right now? That's, that's difficult thing, at least in places like California.
0: Well, I don't really think it's a whole lot different uh, everywhere else. I mean, even, even for me when I, so I moved across the state, but when I was over near Salem, the church I went to there, you know, they shut down with everything and they were doing all their online stuff. But at one point after all that went down, you know, the pastor there, he did the, um, what do they call it? Like the blackout Tuesday or Thursday, yeah. whatever it was, you know, he did that same thing. And then, uh, you know, I, I was kind of curious because I had stopped listening to him because, well, for obvious reasons. Right. And, and so I went back and I listened to one of his, uh, one of his teachings, and it, it was all about, um, you know, he went into some of this CRT stuff. And it just, man, I I can't believe the way, well, I, I should be able to believe it because it's all over throughout Scripture about how, how the enemy ends up in, infiltrating, you know, different churches and teachings. and. But, uh, Michael, was it your teaching yesterday that you said something about, you quoted somebody about being, Uh, Yeah, it was you, because you talked about that uh, the original church was 95% led by the Spirit and 5% by themselves or something like that, and today it's the opposite. Yeah, You said that yesterday, I think.
3: I'll find that quote. It's by A.W. Tozer. Um, What is this? A.W. Tozer said this, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference.
0: Yeah. Seems like a pretty accurate description of what we're seeing right now.
3: Well, you know, just to chime in, I... You know, Matt, you you touched upon a lot of topics because, you know, I've been in public safety and at the same time I've been in the pastoral ministry. You know, and like the saying goes, no one likes a bad cop worse than a real cop, right? Mm-hmm. And when that whole BLM stuff happened and I saw pastors putting, you know, Blackout Tuesday on their social media and I was pulling whatever hair I have, right, you know, I would message them. And I was like, I was mad, to be honest with you. Because most of those pastors don't know what it's like to be a cop or a firefighter. Yet alone, when they're asked to be a chaplain in their community, they're a bunch of wusses and they don't want to be a chaplain. And if they do, they only send maybe, you know, uh, send some donuts and some, you know, Chick-fil-A cards or whatnot. That's not being a chaplaincy. You know, and I mean, you know how it is when you do, when you say that you're riding along with the officers, I understand I am removing my duty bag, which is my office to put that in the back where the prisoners sit and I'm letting you sit in there. And it's basically, you're coming into my kitchen, right? As a cop. And so when pastors are doing this blackout Tuesday, I was livid in my heart, you know, and I was messaging some of them. I was like, you either remove that blackout Tuesday or we're no longer friends. And they were just like, well, what's going on? I was like, dude, you just said blackout Tuesday. You're siding with black lives matter. What about cops? The faithful cops that are coming to your church, they're providing security as a ministry. They're packing to protect the sheep and you, and then you blanketly say, oh, blackout Tuesday, you know, like it's, you know, black Friday sale. It's like, Cool. And I got on some of my friends' cases. You know, and some of them took it down, some of them kept it, and I just respectfully unfriended them from my social media pages. You know, because for me, a lot of them chose their camp. You know, and you, you know, we talk about thousands and thousands of denominations. Well, in in the Bible, right, we had twelve tribes in Israel. We pick our camp, so to speak, and and for me, it's a it, it it's a how can I say it? It drives me crazy when pastors are siding along with social issues. They have no idea what's going on. You know, when
1: you put it, you put it this way. We, these pastors and some of them are our friends, right? Um, side, you know, decide to be politically correct rather than biblically correct. Um, and unfortunately we, we were afraid to step on people's toes But in reality, it's bringing them back to the word of God and the very foundation of our life and saying, look, your problem is not with me. Um, These are God's words, and this is what God has set forth. And in God's kingdom, all lives matter. Um, And that's not a, a play on words, but it is truly what God did. He says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There, that, that right there, the whole world, there's no color, no race, no, nothing that, um, separates anybody. And that comes back down to the truth. And I think if we are, you know, going to be successful in our careers and in our jobs and as chaplains or as pastors, we, we need to be bringing people back to that foundation of Christ. Other than that, we're, we're going to lose the battle. And, and the pulpit is not a place to be um anything other than bringing that gospel and that word um, to the hearts of the people.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Matt, with all this going on, what do you find in uh, has been most beneficial for, and I know this is a tough question because you deal with all kinds of different personalities, but, um, so say like the type A personality that you're you're riding with, and and maybe it's a person of faith. What do you finding is is the most effective? Uh, I don't know wellness component. You know that, that's being taken advantage of down there. I know. Cops are one, not right?
2: good. Cops are not good at wellness. Hmm. They're not sleeping. That's an issue. It's either now we have forced overtime. Cops are bad that they're always working overtime, and a lot of times. When they do have issues to avoid them, if it's drinking tobacco, buying toys and staying busy to avoid dealing with pain or confusion or whatever's going on in your emotional, your spiritual, your psychological life. Well, now every department in the country is, well, other than the small towns in Idaho where people are flocking to because they're getting out of Washington and California and D.C. and Chicago and NYPD and Oregon, everybody's short staffed. So cops have to work, work even more. And it's ridiculous. If you've been up 16 hours, you're already at a bare minimum, a point oh five blood alcohol content, decision-making, and reaction time. And people live an hour from where they work. It was like that in D.C. It's like in L.A. And people are working double shifts, getting three hours of sleep. And cops already deal with insomnia, shorter lifespans, higher disease rates than any other profession. And now you have all this additional stress. So Man, if there's one thing I wish cops would get more sleep um, and then have some kind of self-regulation, you know, how to calm them sem- themselves down physiologically, some kind of practice to calm down. And then how do you find meaning through adversity, pain and suffering? And for everybody, that looks different. So. For what they're doing well, at least, at least with the two places I, you guys know, but I don't speak publicly about, the two departments I'm with, there's a lot of guys and gals that work really hard at fitness, and that's a good thing. Um, and there's a number of people that are trying to do nutrition right. But even if you're doing nutrition pretty good and working out really hard, if you're sleeping three or four hours a night, your hormones are still going to be whacked, your cortisol is going to be up your immune system is going to be compromised. So uh, sleep's like – and I think Kevin Gilmartin hammers this home when he presents for Unemotional Survival for Law Enforcement. If any of you have seen him present or read his book, um, sleep is crucial.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, One of our buddies who actually um, we'll probably have back on here again in the next week or two – just started his fitness business and all this and that. But he he talked about, uh, with me a year or two ago, he talked about the effects and they did these studies on actually, um, Navy SEALs on the effects of their, their sleep cycles, right? Or the the effects of what they're putting in their body and what that does to their sleep cycles. Right. And he, they talked about every cup of coffee would take away a certain amount of REM sleep. Right. And so you'd have these guys, uh, I mean, really physical and, you know, mental warriors. And they would, uh, they'd wake up in the morning and they'd be so sleep deprived, they'd have to drink a bunch of coffee. And so they would drink coffee to get through the day. And then by the time they got to the end of the day, or whenever they were finished working, they couldn't go to sleep. And so they would, uh, you know, have a little nightcap, get themselves to sleep. And what it did was it completely wiped out their entire REM sleep. And uh, I see that being a problem with with law enforcement too. In fact, uh, I know for a fact there are guys that'll go home and they'll they'll drink a beer or two and not think anything of it. But what it does is, it, you know, it messes with their their sleep cycle. So yeah, I I totally see that.
1: So and and these little things don't help either. Oh no! <laughs> right? I mean the cell phones and we, we sit there, you get off of work, you're stressed out. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to flip through Facebook. Or, um, I mean, as an SRO in Colorado, I was talking to the kids about that, right? Like, Hey, take your phones, leave it in the hallway. Like the, the blue light and everything else that you're getting, your all your, your brains going off that you're setting this, um, endorphins, everything else going off in your brains, like heroin and cocaine and addictions to it. Um, that's no way to shut off, especially after a, after a busy, busy day at work.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Everything you guys are saying, I totally agree with. I think at the end of the day, a lot of cops and firefighters, they don't realize we're just a number in the town, right? And your closest buddies that you work with, they know your badge number and they know who you are. But at the end of the day, the town and the HR, they don't really give a crap about you. You know, at the end of this month, 250 Phoenix officers are out because they're pushing the jab, right? And they're like, we're out. Well, where are they going to go? Most of these guys are taking early retirements or they're leaving, right? To the neighboring agencies, which are still old school and they take care of their own. But But you know, it's like that. You know, Jocko Willink, when he wrote that book, "Extreme Ownership," you got to take ownership. And talking about sleep, talking about nutrition, talking about, you know, I think Josiah and I—we've talked about this years ago—learning how to say no. You know, and about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, there was a Phoenix officer on air, went live, and they're like. Uh, whatever. Sixty-five, forty-four. I don't know what his badge number was. They're like, hey, you need to stay over because you're, you know, short on manpower. He's like, negative, and <laughs> right, kept on. And then dispatcher's like, hey, sixty-five, so you gotta stay over. Your whole ship's being stay, staying over. The sergeant gets on here. Hey, you're staying over because you know we're, we're low on manpower. He's all negative, and so after like you know, that dead silence on radio, <laughs> there's, a, you know, all the other cops are like, Oh crap, he's really doing this. And he's all, he's all negative. I'm going back to the station. I'm churning in my badge straight out, you know? And he went in, walked to the sergeant's office, surrendered all his gear and says, see ya, you know? And I mean, that's all it's extreme, but I'm glad he actually took ownership of it. Because at the end of the day, we have to take responsibility of our health, right? You know, Zig Ziglar said, you are who you are and you are where you are because of what you put into your mind. Change who you are by changing what you put into your mind. You know, and change where you are by changing what you put into your mind. And so if you look at that, a lot of cops, I think, and firefighters, we went into a good career, but we didn't expect all this politics to get into it. You know, and saying that, hey, like, I still get all the emails from LA City Fire. Hey, you need to take the jab. You didn't take the jab. You know, just like, wait, this violates my HIPAA. You know, what do you mean mean, I'm going to take the jab? You know, I don't need to take nothing, right? But I think the reality is what you said is true. Our bodies are designed by God to sleep. And if you deprive yourself of that sleep, then you're, like you said, all your hormones get whacked. You can't perform well. And at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Right? Is what I'm doing worth it? Because, you know, I was just an you know, employee number to LA City. I was uh, an employee number out in Colorado. And they don't care about my health, you know, um, I'm still going through a legal battle with Colorado because I'm just a number to them, you know? And it's my responsibility to take care of myself so that I could um, take care of my family, you know? Matt, kudos to you to leave where you were and go to LA so that you could take care of your health. You know, you're realizing you have the best weather in the world, <laughs> <laughs> literally, right? I grew up in Huntington Beach, just right down the road. I mean, I tell people if, if it wasn't run by a communist, socialist, <laughs> I mean, but it's expensive. I, I I don't know. You know, I, I can't deal with that traffic out there anymore.
1: Well, and the but, Lord has a different calling on your life. That's oh, I know. That's why he won't let us back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I have
3: an in and out where I'm at, so I'm good. You know, got the double-double, <laughs> but there's that notion of taking responsibility, right? Um, I don't know who said it. I don't know if my dad taught me this. But my response is my responsibility. And no matter what's in that sponge, if it gets squeezed out of me, I hope that it's grace. I hope that it's peace. I hope that it's mercy, you know, and goodness and kindness. Because when we're tired and exhausted and that sponge is squeezed, you might get the flesh, right? And so that's why you work out to relieve stress. That's why you eat well, so that you can recruit faster. And I mean th- I mean, I'm guilty of it. There are days when I got held over. I didn't mind the overtime money, but I'm sacrificing sleep and nutrition and family time at the other end. And you know, and my brother Josiah, he's very very faithful, never to allow anything to encroach upon his family time. You know, and I mean, he's only 21 and he's already an empty nester, (laughs) you know? I mean, he's an empty nester. And I was just like, man, how does he do this? But, you know, I know Josiah has been an example to be where, hey, I got to protect my wife and my kids in that time, you know? And like I met with the chief uh, out here in Buckeye police and I told him, I was like, hey, I would love to be your chaplain. Um. And if there's anything that comes up, please let me know. But there are times when I, I, I'm not going to be able to do stuff because I'm with my family, you know. But definitely, if there's something that comes up, I'm I'm, I'm all in, you know. And I don't want to just be that chaplain that just goes to the station and brings some, you know, donuts and say, all right, see you later, you know. It's more like, all right, I brought some donuts. I got eight hours I'm going to do some ride-alongs with give me one or two cops. I'll do, you know, two shifts or four hours each, you know? And that way that impact is greater, you know? And, and, you know, I think Matt, what you do in that way, I think it's huge. Like, you know, Adam brought up chaplaincy is ministry of presence, but when you got a chaplain that's bigger than the officer, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I look at some of these officers and I'm like, I might have to jump in if they get into a fight. You know? You know, and I've I've seen a lot of cops. I'm just like, how did they handle all that, like the vest and the the belt and how do they not fall over? You know, because they're so weak and have no muscle, right? And so it's just like, all right, cool, I gotta if we get into a fight, I might have to jump in on you know on this as a chaplain. So
0: I suppose that's better than a than a chaplain that you're going to have to worry about, right?
2: (laughs) See, on the other
0: end, I mean, there's plenty of those out there, I'm sure.
2: And that's a reality too that should be considered when choosing or training chaplains, like because you are a liability and a responsibility for the one or two officers, depending on if you're a one or a two man car, and you're on a hot call. Like you need to know how to stay out of the way. And not become an additional responsibility. Mm. Um, I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of that. Like I think chaplain training should immerse people more in the culture, meaning you should have to do X amount of ride alongs before you can even be a chaplain. You should have to go through some basic firearms course, just to see what it's like, at least go observe or participate in EVOC and uh, observe scenarios or let them go through some of the citizen Academy type scenarios. Like, Mm. You should understand what's going on out there so you stay out of the way, in addition to just understanding what they do more. If you're not culturally competent as a therapist or a chaplain, if you don't understand their world, like, good luck.
1: Well, I think also the danger with it, right? I mean, you're you're in a police car. Um, uh, no one is who's going to seek harm on that police officer on that shift. Is gonna go, oh wait, who's this passenger? Oh wait, oh he's a pastor or oh he's a chaplain. Um it's just not gonna happen, right? You 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 are um a, a part of that the minute you get into that vehicle. So are you aware of what's going on, how you're gonna handle yourself, um, what you're gonna need to do in order to possibly save his life and your life. Um the, and that's the, that is the world we're living in. Are, are we uh, teaching our officers that and our chaplains? I totally agree.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of chaplains out there that are really awesome people that should probably be, you know, what we would call a, comu- a, a community chaplain, you know, but I think some of those try to make that jump into law enforcement or fire chaplain when they just, you know, there's, there's nothing against somebody that that just doesn't have the personality for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do have a lot of chaplains that actually listen to this. And the ones that I know of that, that, uh, listen to our podcast, these are guys that, that I would want to be my chaplain, you know, and, and they're a lot, they're a lot like you, Matt, in that they understand the culture. Uh, they have taken the time to build relationships. And so now they're a part of the team, you know, but there's, there are some people that, that walk in and think that, that they should automatically be accepted, but man, law enforcement is a it is a unique culture.
1: Mm-hmm. So. well, you're representing the Lord as a chaplain in the events where you are. I mean, Exodus fifteen three, the Lord is a warrior, Yahweh is his name. Um, let's not forget who our God is. Um and, and I'm not, you know, saying, yeah, let's go to battle and we're going to war. But, you know, as as a believer and as my in my life, when, when I read something like that, that the Lord is a warrior, and Yahweh is his name. That's my God. And and he's not going to shy away from protecting the ones he loves and protecting those around him. And and he is in us and he's called us to that battle. And I'm going to do everything that I can um, to make sure that happens in his chaplains, that's, that should be our mindset, right? That is the God we represent. Um, and if we're, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it's not gracious and it doesn't mean that God's not loving and kind and, and caring because that is all part of it. Um, compassionate and listening. And I'm going to be, you know, taking the time to, to nurture because that also is my God. But if there is a time and a place where I need to flip that switch and become a warrior. Well, then I'm still representing God in that. Um do you do you have the the shirt readily available uh there Mr. Adam? The don't, don't we have don't we have that on one of our shirts a, a verse that uh represents that as well? I think we I think we do. I don't have it on me though, but <laughs> But uh,
0: you reminded me of the second verse that I was going to talk about today. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And that's, uh, let's see, that is Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. But th- that's another one that uh, that stuck with me in my reading. Obviously, I just finished up Proverbs, so you know, you know where all that's coming from. But, um, and a wisdom here, <laughs> with somebody else's wisdom, but, uh, you, there's such a push to do what, what everybody wants politically, um, which is all part of this socialist push. You know, I mean, we know that, but it, it blows me away. The number <laughs> of people that are falling in line with this, that think that the, that law enforcement should not be protecting people anymore at least or at least not to the degree that they that they do i mean i don't they want everybody to be a uh what a guardian counselor a guardian oh. uh uh what's the word i'm trying to think of here the civil servant worker,
1: doing nothing you
0: no know, a social worker you know yeah you show up and talk and then
2: i guess just get shot and i don't know i don't know The crime is so bad everywhere. When you even just demonize the police, the Ferguson effect, defund them, and now you're seeing in all the major cities where guys are peeling out, guys and gals, crime keeps going up. Now here in L.A., they're showing more videos of very affluent communities where there's street robberies. And not that I want it to happen, but if the riots and the looting and the robberies were happening in the bubble affluent communities, most of the people that voted for all this hate the police stuff, I think are people that live in communities where even if you cut the police force in half, they're not going to see the murders that I see riding where I do, right? So maybe your catalytic converter gets stolen. Maybe your house gets, somebody's house gets burglarized. Or I've even heard of uh, teenager kids that were mouthing off and got tuned up by somebody by the beach here. The community went nuts. Where were the cops? A couple of their wise ass kids got beat up not, not even put in the hospital, and now they hate the police because they didn't prevent it. They're not seeing the murders and the robberies and the rapes, right? So they can vote that way from from a perspective of you know virtue signaling, but they're not dealing with the consequences of defunded or police that cannot be proactive because they're worried about catching a charge for using force.
1: I. Uh- well, and that's, I, that's why I think, um, you know, off camera, I kind of mentioned, you know, fear, right? Fear is controlling the officer's lives. And what happens when, when fear is controlling my life? Well, I, I'm going to start filling it with other things, right? I'm going to start stress eating or I'm going to run to the bottle or I'm going to run to drugs or I'm going to run. So, so now, so now I'm out of, instead of, instead of handling the call, like I've been trained to call, to handle it and handle it the way that I know I should handle it uh, because of lack of sleep, because I'm not eating right, because maybe I haven't had a, a meal um, and my adrenaline just spiked. I'm not thinking clearly now I'm handling it totally wrong. Um, it, it, it's just a, a nasty evil cycle that I, we, we found ourselves in and ultimately Uh, When when we bring it back down to its foundation, its core, um, it it is a battle between good and evil. and We're seeing, uh, you know, Satan revving up his, his, uh, I I would just say he's trying to flex, right? And he's trying to uh, show his power. I mean, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I thank God that we have him on our side and we can stand and fight this battle um, the way he's called us to do it. But we need to encourage these guys to have that faith, right? We need to encourage these guys to have that anchor um, and, an, and a source of, of strength that's coming not from any of us but from a, on high um, to be able to handle our job the way God's called us to do, no matter what. Um, and, and even in the in the midst of of the danger and the, the chaos, right? Not getting distracted by, know what's gonna happen hey i'm gonna handle this call the way that i know how to handle it the way the law has told me to handle it and and i'm gonna stand before god knowing that i did it correctly um and we we need not to shy away from that um unfortunately with with how big the influences of this world are are going after guys um we're seeing a lot leave and you know i pray that that good men will remain um Because if if we don't, um, we will lose that battle on the streets. And we're starting to see it in in our major cities.
3: Let me just chime in before I got to go. You know, I I started the book of Acts at the church. And, you know, I studied for 14 verses and got to maybe eight. (laughs) Um, But a good reminder that I realized that I didn't mention uh, yesterday, I'll probably mention this coming week, Is when the Jesus movement took place from like roughly 1965 to 75 in that 10 year period, you know, during the hippie culture, if you study crime stats and stuff, everything went down, right? Because people got saved and that's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? You know, and for cops, it's kind of eerie, like, you know, when you're in South Central, right? even when I was a firefighter in LA, there were some days I just knew I was not going to sleep for 24 hours because it was just hot calls, shootings, fires, shootings, fires, right? And you just expected that because of the area. But when you realize there's righteousness taking place and there's a revival taking place, crimes comes to a cease. We know that in the book of Acts in chapters 1, 2, and 3, where when Peter preached, not just a few came, God added thousands, right? to the church you know and i've heard of uh, when revivals took place in certain areas business owners going to the pastor and complaining to them what are you doing you're shutting down my business at a bar because people are getting saved at the end of the day that makes the the work for the police officers a good thing right and so and to officers and firefighters that, that are listening to this or watching this if God's called you to the, that agency and you know that, don't let any other whisper talk you away from it. Stay there, stand strong, stand firm. Um, but at the same time, you also have to think about your wife and your kids as well. Um, and so on that note, I stay a little longer than I should, but I got to run. And I think my brother Matt's frozen.
0: See you soon, Mike.
3: All right. Give Matt my greetings and uh, tell him I want to connect with him in the future.
0: Absolutely. Will do, you, brother. So... He'll be back. Yeah, he will. Uh, man, I'm pretty sure that what we are, what we are seeing here is, uh, it is totally spiritual, but why don't we, uh, why don't we pause here for second.
1: Yeah.